I want to welcome you to Mercy Culture Church. The vision of Mercy Culture is to take people from corporate encounters with God to daily personal encounters with God. Just this week, yesterday, our, our son graduated high school. Yeah. And we went, to, we went to dinner with the family and my sweet granny, who's 82 years old and is the greatest Christian I've ever known. She'll pray over a meal, you'll get saved. And she loves the Lord with all of her heart, but she just began to cry at the table talking about daily encounters. And she said, as much as I've walked with the Lord, as long as I've walked with the Lord, and as often as I've spent time with him, she said, something has changed when I've become intentional about a daily encounter. She said, not a, not a happenstance, just passing encounter and moments with the Lord. She said, but setting aside a time every day. Now she's retired and she's got a little more time. And so her daily encounters went from an hour to two hours to three hours. And she said, sometimes it'll be seven or eight hours just worshiping the Lord all day. But she started crying. She said, daily encounters have changed my life. And I've been praying because I do this every week. We talk about daily encounters every week and I've been telling the Lord, Lord, I don't want this communication to get stale. I don't want it to sound just repetitive. I don't want you to just hear the vision of our house and sort of repeat it and roll your eyes and I've heard it a million times and I know and my granny ministered to me at 82 years old, walking with Jesus all of these years and daily encounters revolutionized her life. I'll never get tired of talking about it. See, Mercy Culture, our goal is not to become a big church. Our goal is not to have a great big following and influence, and God's gonna do that, and we're thankful for it. But our vision is that you would encounter the Lord every day. That you could hear the voice of the Lord and have the faith to do what he said to do. And when you can do that, you can't fail. When you can hear God's voice and step out in obedience to him, there is favor that comes upon your life that is indescribable. And we want to help you to do that. We want to help you to discover how you connect with God and how you can begin to develop a daily encounter with the Lord. You can just text the word CONNECT to 59090 and begin the process of being connected to mercy culture, but most importantly, discipling. You're being discipled into daily encounters with the Lord. How many are thankful for our worship team this morning? <laughs> leading us into his presence today. Today it is my great honor. My, my name is Les, by the way. I'm the lead pastor here at Mercy Culture Waco. Uh, welcome to the tent. Welcome to the tent. It's our temporary home while we remodel the building just right out those doors. And it's coming along and it's looking beautiful, guys. It's coming along every week and we're seeing great progress. We're in that final stretch. Stuff is just coming in quickly now and we can't wait. So we gotta, that's right. We have a few more hot weeks 
but we've got the ACs pumping and God is still moving in the tent. Amen? But welcome this morning, and today it is my great honor and privilege to welcome to this platform not a guest, um, but a father of this house and a mother of this house. Pastor Zane and Pastor Jan Anderson are apostolic elders here at Mercy Culture. They're, they're dear, uh, a mother and a father to me and Nikki, and whether you realize it, a mother and father to all of you. But because of their prayers, because of their sacrifices, because of their consistency and faithfulness with the Lord, it's a big reason why we are here today, because of what they've birthed through the womb of their spirit. So honor is one of the values of this house. Let's stand to our feet and honor Pastor Zane and Jan Anderson. You're awesome, babe. I love you so much, man. You're sweet. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Wow. Lauren said it. Lauren said it during worship. And um, yeah, just lay that on the front seat. The king is in the house. Could somebody just shout his name? Yeah, so worthy. Just stay with me just for a couple moments. I'll give you, I'll give you a signal. I just we love this house and and though we're not necessarily strangers we've been here one time and we'll be here again and again and again um, because this is our assignment and we've we we were here before you were here now what I mean is we got here before this got here my wife and I had been fasting and we we flew into Waco I think I told you this last time and um, and just interceded walked through, drove through the town, and we heard so many prophetic words over you. We sent them to you, and I know you guys have been leaning into them. So when you do that, when you intercede, not just one time, but we, there's, there's not a, I don't want to exaggerate, not a day that goes by that I don't pray for your pastors and the leadership of this house and this house. I feel like Samuel, God forbid that I should sin and not pray for you. And I mean that. I take that assignment seriously. This age and stage of our lives, we're no longer lead pastors. We're now traveling, doing our thing. We have a little bit more time, too. And we do it. I, I just appreciate Les, Pastor Les, and, and Pastor Nikki. I appreciate the anointing you carry and the presence that abides on your life. From the first time we met, I've just seen just a, a deepened development from the sacrifices you made, laying it down, laying it all down. It all belongs to you, and he tested you. You know, we can sing those songs until he tests us. Come on, I need an amen. Yeah, it all belongs to you. What, you're going to take that? Ain't no way, Jay. That's mine. Oh, okay. Then you're just singing. And he, and he took you through it. And I want to change that song just a little bit in this way. It all belongs to you. It was never mine. It'll always be yours, okay? It was never mine. It'll always be yours. And we sing it and we believe it and you proved it. And then he comes back and says, 
Now it's ours. Got it? You let it go. You gave it to him. He saw, come on, I'm preaching already. You gave it to him. You surrendered it all. You, you, you said, it's all yours. I'm not going to put my hands on it. He says, good. Now, together, let's build this thing. Because nothing happens. Say, nothing happens. Nothing happens in the kingdom without partnership with him. He said, he said I'm not going to do it without you. You can't do it without me. So let's bust a move and get our act together. Amen? And let's do this thing for the king. That's why... That's why I'm so excited. Even as we drove in, just over that, that overpass down into this place, I said, oh God, and I saw the huge mercy culture, and I thought, mercy's coming to Waco. And the culture is going to change. Amen? You feel it, don't you? You feel it, don't you? And I love it. It's not about big. It's about presence. Please, I pastored a big church. I discovered, I, I don't mean that arrogantly. We, when we had a baton, I don't say this arrogant. It was 5,000 members. Whoa, didn't impress me at all. Never had a goal to build a big church. Never had a desire to have a big thing, a big sanctuary. None of that was part. I, I just wanted presence. Because he said, if I be lifted up, not I, him. If I be lifted up, I'll draw him. I'll draw him. Because you can't change anybody anyway, and you can't transform lives anyway, but you can be an instrument he can flow through. And, and I'm telling you, tell the person next to you, we're almost there. You're almost in that, that place. But he... I'm going to preach because I got a word I got to get out of me. But I got to say this. He is so pleased with this house, Pastor Les, because you, <laughs> in some respects, you have endured. It's been, in hot, it's been hot here a few times. Huh? You know, I know God loves me. No, I'm serious. I know God loves me. Because look what the temperature is outside. <laughs> he just said, I'll invite you back in August. I'll show you. God will show you. He loves you. You'll have this unusual cold spill in August. Don't be messing with me, man. Every week. Just come and sit in here, huh? You people are sweethearts, and we love you. And uh, so grateful and honored to be an, an overseer over this house. And we, we take it serious. We take it serious. Would you just nudge the person next to you, close to you, around you, before I transition to minister the word, because I got it. Would you just nudge and tell them, it's the best you've looked all week long. <laughs> hey, listen to me. I'll call you back. Thanks, babe. It's the best you've looked all week long. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Thanks, babe. Appreciate it. So good to run into some people that we have known for a long, long time. And um, it's 40 years ago. over 40 years. Boy, babe, don't say 40 years ago. <laughs> hey, I, I just had a birthday on Monday. Watch this. I, no, I just had a birthday on Monday, May 15th. 
I just turned 70 years old. I, I was convinced that Jesus would have come a long time ago. The only, forgive me, I'm sorry, this is a little too earthy. The only time I really didn't want Jesus to come was about when I was going to get married. I just, and I just knew he was going to come the day before. Just there was some, I'm sorry, that's too earthy for you. But, but we started our ministry career as youth pastors and a long time ago. And Frida and Donna Ratliff were, Donna, you were in our youth group. Man, that is, whoa, I can't believe that. And Frida, you were just such a significant part of a Valley Christian Assembly. And they showed up and I looked, I said, wow, we've known each other. Thank you for coming. Can you just greet them? Thank you for coming. So good to see you. I have, um, I have just a, a keen awareness, Pastor, uh, of the Lord's desire, uh, uh, the Lord's plans to, to, to minister this morning, very, very specifically, may, may I say it this way, very personally and very powerfully. Now, obviously, the passion of this congregation, and I know the passion of their heart is, is for the Lord always to minister, but there are those times, say, those times. That God sets aside and says, I'm going to do something very specific in a very specific area. And, and I believe ministry is for all of us. But there's some of you, you had to be here this morning. For whatever reason you thought you weren't going to come and you came, it's because there is, there is you, 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 have a, you have an appointment. And the Lord made sure you were here. And you have an appointment, listen, with three words. Say three words. These three words are significant to what God wants to do this morning. Three words that really have been ringing in my spirit. <laughs> I don't want to be overly dramatic, but three words that have been waking me up in the middle of the night. Three words that, that the Lord wants wants to speak to you, but especially some of you. Three powerful words. Um, they speak of something the Lord wants us to do. But interestingly, they also speak of something the adversary hopes we don't do. Three, three words that speak of what the Lord wants us to give ourselves to, and three words, watch this, the adversary is frightened you will do. Because the enemy knows the power, say power, the enemy knows the power of these three, these three, these three words. The words I'm referring to are found in a passage that the Holy Spirit quickened to my heart. The book of Hebrews, turn there with me, would you please? Um, Hebrews chapter 10. As you're turning, give you just a brief context. If you know a little bit of, of the historicity of, of this particular uh, New Testament narrative, uh, there's, there's conversation, maybe even a little bit of debate about who is the author of Hebrews. Some say it was the Apostle Paul. Some say it was another apostle. I, I happen to know exactly who the author of the book of Hebrews is, Holy Spirit. I, I don't know the pen he may have used or the stylus he may have employed, but it's his words. And what I love about his words is his words are eternal. So though it was written ages ago, it has relevance to our lives today. And at any moment, the author of the word here can bring it alive to your heart. And there are three words in this 10th chapter that the Lord wants to bring alive to us 
freshly. All of us, but especially, especially some of you. Let me, let, me, let me read chapter 10, verse 23. Just one passage. The whole, the whole chapter is just, just laden with significant kingdom truths, but listen to it. So hold fast. Say hold fast. Hold fast. I, I'm reading from maybe a different translation. I'm, I'm a translation guy. I, I'm sure you are. I just, when I'm reading a text, I, I, I can read 50 other translations. I just, that's just me. So when, you're, when your tech team says, what translation are you using? I don't know, whatever I got. And you probably don't even have it in your, in your thing because I'm just, I dig deep. It, it says, it says, now hold fast. Say hold fast. That, that, that word in the, in the original Greek text means keep a firm grip. The implication is don't let go of something you've taken hold of. Tell the person next to you, don't let it go. Hold fast. It's an intense verb. He says hold fast the promise. Hold fast the confession. Hold fast what God has put in your heart, what God has spoken to you. Hold fast the promise you've been given and don't stop believing for he who promised is faithful. He who promised is faithful. Say that with me. He who promised is faithful. The three words that the Holy Spirit quickened in my heart for this morning are don't stop believing. Hold fast your confession, your promise, the prophecy, the thing you are, are believing for, and don't stop believing. Come on, help me preach. Say it. Don't stop believing. Those are the three words that kept awakening me in the night. I, I, I don't know what you're believing for. Every one of you in this room are believing for something. It may be the promise. It may be the thing that you're, you, you're just wanting God to, to work on. I don't know what you're believing for. I, I, I don't know what promise God's dropped in your heart. I, I know this lady that I've lived with for, for now 50, 51 years. We just celebrated 51 years of marriage. Isn't that ridiculous? Isn't it really? Seriously, 51 years. Man, you've been hanging around with me for a long time. It was... It, <laughs> shut up. He's, he's being just really irresponsible. On, he, said, he said, she's a saint. I hate you. You and I have been hanging around for a long time, and it's been worth every minute. Every minute. Oh, such rebellion in her, I'm telling you. But there are some things we're believing for. She knows what I'm talking about. The moment I say that, she knows exactly what I'm talking about. Jan, can I give you a word from the Lord? Don't stop believing. I'm not going to. We haven't seen it yet. And that's some of you. You haven't seen it yet. The promise, the prophecy, the thing you've believed for, the thing you've been, It hasn't happened yet. Well, I got a word from the Lord. Don't stop believing. You're waiting for the answer. I don't know about you. Anybody like me? I just need a friend. Anybody just hate to wait? Oh, man. I, 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 I'm, I'm, I don't want to ask for patience. <laughs> Somebody say amen. I do. I do. I hate to wait. I mean, I, I, don't, I, I don't believe men belong in supermarkets. You feel it, don't you? 
They don't. They don't. There are demons that when you go in, they miss, they, they move all the price tags and the milk used to be here. They move it. She tells you where it's at. And the moment I go, Jan asked me to go and I'm looking, oh, the line, there's just one person in that line and she takes forever. I almost want to pay her bill just to get her out of here. But I'm not that generous. So I'll wait. It's tough to wait. I want God to answer my prayer now. I want God to fulfill the prophecy now. Gotten a lot of prophecies over the year. Credible, from credible men and women of God that I knew moved prophetically. And I believed them. And it, and it, and it confirmed and affirmed in my heart what I was feeling. And it just, right there, okay, I want it now. I'm like that little girl, little, little girl in our church in, in Tucson. Her, her mother told me she prayed this little prayer that she'd always be with her at night, pray, pray. Let's say our prayers. And, and okay, sweetheart, go ahead. I think how maybe six years old. I don't know how old exactly. And she says, dear Jesus, I would like to ask you that as soon as you get this prayer, you answer it. How many like that little girl? It's interesting because, let me get, take a moment with this. It's interesting because faith, our believing, is a very significant key in the kingdom. In fact, you need to understand something. Faith is how the kingdom works. Believing is what activates and releases, releases the, the, the kingdom. And, and in fact, Jesus talked a lot, about, a lot about believing, a lot about faith. In fact, we are born again by what? Believing. You can't even get transformed without a level of faith being involved. We walk by faith, not by sight. I like this one. Jesus said, if you believe, you will receive. So, so, so faith and believing are what I call a kingdom key. Jesus, I'll give you the keys to the kingdom. And one of those keys is learning how to activate the kingdom through believing and through faith. Let, let me define faith for a moment. I want to move quickly. Faith or believing. It literally means to be fully persuaded. A deep, civil, a, a deep sense of, of of confidence that what you heard is going to happen. Faith is to play, uh, believing is to place one's confidence in someone. It's, it's placing your confidence. It's, it's a level of trust. Our grandson, Zephaniah, he's, he's, he's our son, our youngest son, Taylor's firstborn. And, and Zeph, Zeph was messing around one day and got on the roof of our house, the roof, got on the roof of our house, and, and then all of a sudden, getting up was easier than getting down. I mean, been there, done that, got the t-shirt, you know what I'm talking about, and Zeph's up there, and he's, Papa, Papa, I said, Zeph, I'm here, just jump, no, Papa, I'm scared, no, jump, jump, Zeph, you could trust me, and he jumped, and I stepped away, and he fell on the ground, I said, don't ever trust anybody the rest of your life, now, I, I'm, I'm being stupid, I did not do that, I caught him. I caught him. <laughs> but faith is that kind of thing. It's, it's putting your confidence that what the person said they will do. I will catch you, Zeph. He believed in me enough to go ahead and jump. 
How many see it? Silly illustration, powerful illustration. It's an inner assurance. I'm taking time with this because I want you to understand how faith operates. It's an inner assurance, a deep-seated, I like this word, conviction. Even goes beyond just a hope so, it's a conviction. It's a confident expectation that what you are believing for, what God put in your heart, it will happen. Pastor Les, I like this translation. It's the ability to see what is not yet seen. Mm. See, see, what you need to understand is your pastor saw that building before he saw that building. See it? He saw it. He's already seen it full. He's already seen multiple services. He's already seen people getting healed. He's already seen it. Hasn't fully happened yet, but he doesn't need anybody else to tell him he's already seen it. Have you seen it? I've seen it. Not yet seen it. Are you following me? So faith is the ability to see what is not yet seen. And that's exactly how the Bible defines faith. Do you know that? Exactly. Hebrews 11.1, same chapter. Hebrews 11.1. Now faith is, say faith is. Faith is the substance, that word substance, interesting Greek verb. It is the assurance or the confirmation of the things you are hoping for or the thing that was promised you or the thing that was spoken to your spirit. It is is the assurance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not yet seen. Faith says, God said it, I believe it. The challenge of faith The challenge of walking in faith is when he speaks it, it's the process he takes you through before you see it. Get it? I see it, but I've not yet seen it. How many follow me, man? So when you see it, yes, and you get all excited, and then, yeah, somebody say it again, process. Every prophecy has a process. Every promise has a process. Why the process? The process has nothing to do with the promise. It has to do with you. He's got to get you ready for the promise so when the promise comes to pass, you'll be ready to handle what he's promised. I'm preaching good already. So that's why you need to understand the process is part of the plan. He doesn't just say it. Then he says, okay, let's get ready and let's go for it. And he takes you through stuff. Watch this. Watch this. He promised you that building. He put you in this process. (laughs) That was gold. He promised you that building. He put you in this process. And how you navigate, how you've navigated the process will determine the depth and the experience of the promise. And you're going to get, I'm prophesying now, you're going to get things over there because how you navigate it right here. See, some people can't be faithful till they get there. God wants you to learn how to be faithful. See, God wants you to learn how to be faithful in a tent so you can have your, your temple. Amen? Amen? Apply it any way you want. I'm just applying it here. You see it. It's like you're pregnant. You're pregnant. Waco, it, Mercy Culture Waco is pregnant. Um, 
And every now and then, God will let you go into a spiritual encounter, a moment, a personal encounter. When you get a little discouraged, he'll take you into a personal encounter, and he'll let you see the ultrasound. How many hear what I'm saying? Huh? Huh? We get this prophetic word over us, Jan, and then all hell breaks loose. We get this prophetic word of God's going to do this, and we embrace it, and we believe it, and we say yes to it, and then all hell breaks loose, and we're about ready to quit. And he says, come here, I want to take you somewhere. And you get in one of your personal encounters, and you get the ultrasound. There it is. There it is. There it is. I guess we do have the baby. I guess it's already there. Let's just wait a little bit longer. Am I preaching to anybody? So, so significant. We understand that. Now, we've all been given... We've all been given a measure of faith. Romans 12, 3, uh, it says it this way. Romans 12, 3. For God has given to each of us a measure. Some of your translation says a measure of faith. That, that really is a poor translation. It should be translated. For God has given to each of us the measure. Say the measure. God has given each one of us the measure. And, and, that, and, that, and you need to understand when it says that, literally the measure, it is the required portion or the, the right amount. Now watch this. This is powerful. Get ready. I need you in a minute, okay? Watch this. You didn't know that, did you? You better be ready. I need some money, so get your money ready. Okay. Watch this. Watch this. Watch this. When, when Paul writes by the Spirit, everyone, say everyone. everyone, you don't need more faith. You got all the faith you need to accomplish what God's got. Remember, the measure, the word the measure means the right amount, the right allotment. You don't need to get more. I hear this, oh, I just wish I had the, I, I like this. I, I hear that. I wish I had the faith of Pastor Jan. She has such faith to believe. If I could just have the faith of Pastor Les and Nikki, if I could have, you don't need their faith. You got all the faith. You don't need more faith. You need to develop the faith you already got. Oh, I just had more. You don't need more. To each one, he's given the measure, the right allotment. Your problem isn't faith. Your problem is the developing of the faith you've already got and the activating of that faith. Develop, activate. Develop, activate. Help me. Develop, activate. So God takes you through stuff that's difficult to develop your faith, and then you learn how to activate your faith. Okay? Come here. Come up here. Okay? I like your beard. I can't grow a beard. Turn around. I need you to look like this. Look, look at this guy. Hold on a second. Look at this guy. Whoa. There it is. I feel it. I feel it. This guy's buffed. Huh? Huh? What can I say? No, I'm sure. I... Whoa. Ho, ho. Now, I got to tell you, why weren't you my bodyguard? They gave me this little whippy guy right over there. <laughs> I'm kidding, man. I'm just jacking you around, man. I really am. No, seriously, I'm grateful. But I don't know why. <laughs> so, 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 I, I, I need you. Now, you're laughing, but I need you to understand something very profound. Now, I'm serious. I'm passionate. Because you look at him and go, wow, he's buffed. He doesn't have any more muscles than I've got. 
He doesn't have 50 more because he looks like this. Uh Uh-uh. He has the same amount. Say the same amount. What's the difference? He's done something with them. Watch, watch. And I haven't. Again, it's silly. But he doesn't have more. Man, God, man, he's been blessed with more. No, he's got the same amount as me. This is so powerful. So stop your whining and complaining that you don't have enough of something when all you need to do is develop it. And you know how you develop? You stretch it. You strain it. You assault it. You know why I don't look like him? Because I don't want to stretch it and strain it and buffet it. I'm happy just to hang around him. Okay? I love you, man. Silly. Say powerful. So I want to get you to stop saying if I had that. You don't need that. You just need to develop what you got. So count it all joy when you go through divers testings and trials, knowing this, that the testing of your faith, the stretching of your muscles, the stretching of your life produces faith at another level. I think I'll say amen all by myself. We tend to make faith and believing so complex and so hard. It's not. It's not. You can function in faith. Tell the person next to you, I can function in faith. In fact, Jesus really said it straight. If you had the faith of the grain of a mustard seed. So stop talking about you need bigger. You just need to activate what you've got. In fact, Lord, I just declare right now that, that as they move into the new building, I just feel this prophetic, as they move into the new building, you're going to activate them to another level of faith. They believed very passionately for this season, but they're about to move into a new level of expectation of faith. So Lord, activate the faith that's in this house so that the miracles you've planned and the break breakthroughs you've destined and the harvest you've prophesied will come to pass. But Lord, it's not going to happen because you want it to. It happens because they believe it. Somebody shout, I believe. I believe. I believe. believe. Now here's the the deal. Now I'm going to get down to where we live a lot of times. Because there are times where we struggle to believe. See, I could have quit the message there and some of you go... Yeah, but there are times I struggle. Yep, I get it. I, I, I have too. In fact, when I talked about we're believing for something that God put in our heart, there was a season I literally would say, God, I just don't, I, I just don't think that's going to happen. I, I cannot envision with what I'm seeing how that could ever turn around. I, I know you said you will, but God, there's just, have me follow me. Okay, stay with me now because I want to help you. There are times we struggle, and, it, and the struggle isn't sin, and the struggle isn't failure. The struggle is human. Yeah. I'm so glad we have a high priest who understands the infirmities and the weaknesses of my humanness. He doesn't say, stay there. And so what God has provided, and this is the whole point of this message, he has given us tools. Somebody say tools that can help our faith. He's given us things we can lean on. And this is really practical, but this is the year of dunamis. And dunamis isn't just power. Dunamis is being strengthened in the fundamentals of our faith. Because power without foundation 
creates error. Power without proper theology creates messes, cults, crazy people. I'm not thinking of anybody in here. Wait a second. Let me look over the crowd for a minute. Uh, There's one over there I'm feeling. No, I'm just kidding. Say tools. The, 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 The primary tool. It's one of the prophetic words over this house. The primary tool is the word of God. The very thing we have that we don't even really utilize is the power of God's word. The word of God. Why? Because faith comes. The word comes in the original text implies faith is activated by hearing the word, by hearing and hearing the word. So when the word is preached, when you read the word, when you lean into the word, when you meditate on the word, there is an activation that happens within your faith. Faith comes by Romans. Faith comes by hearing. Again, I want to emphasize that word comes doesn't mean it just shows up because it's already in you, but it becomes activated, becomes stirred up. It becomes energized when you hear the word of God. First tool is the word of God. And what you need to do is meditate. That's why your personal encounters are so critical. This, this, this value of, of corporate to personal is not to keep you busy. That's right. Just keep them busy. If they stay busy enough, maybe they won't sin. Oh, God, help us. No, because in those personal encounters, and I hear his word, I meditate on his word, you got to feed your faith. Quit asking for more and feed what you got. Quit asking for more and begin to feed. How do you feed your faith? The word of God. How do you feed your faith? The power of confessing. Declare the word. Speak forth the word as you hear. Here's how I like to say it. When you begin to confess the word out loud, it harmonizes and aligns my thoughts and my emotions with his truth. Some of you are talking yourself out of faith by your bad mouth. I'm not talking about, in, I'm not talking about cussing. But you're talking negative. You're talking down. You're talking doubt. You can feel it. Don't talk it. Take captive the vain imagination. The doubt-filled imagination. When Paul says take captive vain imagination, he wasn't talking about some pornographic picture in your mind. That wasn't, on, that wasn't on his wavelength. What he was talking about is those things that speak against the purpose of God and the promise of God and the plan of God. Take it captive. No, 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 no. I won't listen to that. In fact, I will give you something in place of that and begin to speak the word on it. Speak the word on it. Put the word on it. Come on, I'm helping you. I, I know you know all this stuff, but why are you going there? Because where you're going is going to take another level of faith. This isn't it. So meditate, confess. When, when you begin to do that, faith begins to take hold. And it begins to, begins to, again, energize and strengthen my faith. Next one, real quick, hear a testimony. What can strengthen and energize and activate your faith? Hearing somebody's testimony. Hearing somebody get healed. And you're struggling with getting healed. And all of a sudden, that's why testimonies are so powerful. In fact, the Bible says in Romans, I think it is chapter 12, they overcome the adversary by the word of their testimony. 
couple other things added to it, but the power of your testimony. In fact, when a testimony is given, it really is, and I like to say it this way, a testimony means, literally means, forgive me, Lord, I'm going too fast. A testimony literally means, do it again, Lord. When you testify, you are declaring, Lord, what you did for me, do it again. So I say it this way, Jan's testimony is my prophecy. The spirit, of Je- the spirit of Jesus is the spirit of testimony when you speak it. So testifying is so powerful. It, it stirs your faith. All of a sudden, wait a minute, God. If you can do it for them, you can do it for me. Next thing, get in his presence. There we go again, personal encounters. Get in his presence. Again, you're going to have moments where you, where you struggle with doubt. You're going to have those doubt moments and, oh, God, I just don't see. When, the, when they happen, speak the word on it. Hear a testimony, but get in his presence. I can't tell you how many times I've walked in his presence discouraged, thinking, God, how are you ever going to do it? And by the time he was done with me, I walked out of that closet, that secret place, that place of, of intimacy with him, and I said, come on, hell or high water. It's going to happen. It's going to happen. There's been a handful of times he wondered if that thing is ever going to get done. It's been a few times, and I'll tell you how he breaks through. He gets in his presence, and the Lord begins to tell him, no, no, I got this all under control. Chill out, son. Relax, son. Come on. Are you hearing me? Am I helping anybody? Get in his presence. I'll give you another one that's so very powerful. Sometimes just a song can be the very thing that activates your faith. Sometimes just a song. I, I, I know the power of worship. I'll talk about that in a moment. But sometimes just a song. There's a, there, I was so discouraged, Pastor Les, over a situation. And I just I thought, oh, man, God, I'm just wrestling and I don't know. And then just God just sovereignly on, on, on my, uh, on my uh, what do you call that thing? I, that you run and you put in earphones and that little thing. Walkman type thing. I don't know what it is. I'm not a geek like some of you puppies. You know, geek is a spirit, and you need to get it out of your life. <laughs> I see the spirit of geek on him. And I'm, I'm running, and I'm, I got some worship songs, and then all of a sudden, happenstance. A song comes, a song comes on. We're going to, can we close with it? We're going to close with it, a song. And all of a sudden, I'll stop in my run and just begin to weep. Lord. Because I put it on shuffle, so I don't know what's coming up. And I said, whoa, whoa, whoa. what are you trying to say? I got this. Sometimes just a song. Sometimes one of the most powerful things is pray in the Spirit. Just pray in tongues. Just pray in tongues. Jude says, Jude says we build up our, ourselves, or literally, we build up our most holy faith. How? Praying in tongues. There are times when I'm facing a doubt moment, I'm facing a circle, I don't see how it's going to change. And something begins to stir up. That building begins to say, wait a minute, no, no, doubt, you don't have any place here. Sometimes I can get a little and you may think that's silly but sometimes you got just to get a little bit silly to break through some of you are a little bit too refined I don't mean get crazy but stop being so refined that you can't let the Holy Spirit do some warfare through you 
devil's been beating on you. Why don't you start beating on him? You got a weapon. It's called just the corporate gathering. The power of the corporate gathering. Do you think it was happenstance? COVID, I'll tell you where COVID came from. Hell. Didn't come from a nation. It may have originated there, but it was planned by the adversary. Why? I want to shut down the church. Do you know the Hebrew prophetic word for 2020 was the year of the mouth? How many understand what I'm talking about? Do some, the Hebrew calendar it was the year of the mouth, the year of the confession. And what did the enemy do? Mask us. And I, again, I don't want to go down that road. If you feel like you need to do that, God bless you, go for it. But what it really was was a, de- a demonic plan to shut. Okay, I'm not going to shut your mouth. I'm going I'm to quit your corporate services because there is a dynamic. I don't know about you, but in that worship service, Lauren, I, I, I was getting energized. I was getting energized, man. I loved it. I, you know what I mean? And there's something about a corporate gathering, worshiping together, fellowshipping together. And that's why the Bible says in the very chapter 10, forsake not the assembling of yourselves together. The, the, the enemy understands if I can isolate you and separate you, you're vulnerable. You know, you know I'm just old enough. I'm just old enough to like the Discovery Channel. When I was young, I asked to, but I want to watch some shoot 'em up movie. <laughs> Die Hard 75. <laughs> but now I love the Discovery Channel. And, and my wife and I have been honored and privileged and blessed as a gift to be on about three safaris. There's nothing like it. You got to go on a safari. It's just, it's life changing. And one of the things I watched on Discovery Channel, that, that lion stalks, the adversary goes about as a roaring lion seeking who he. And that, that lion stalks and he looks to isolate that animal. And if the enemy can isolate you, get you out of fellowship, get you out of the house, get you out of, oh, you're not loved there. That's a lie. Oh, you're not special. That's a lie. Tell that lie where to go. Send it back where it came from. Come on. You got to have this. You need this. It isn't about a crowd. It isn't about, well, I just like numbers. No, you need this. Your life depends on this. Trust me, I'm an old man. I've been around a long time. Things that have saved my life have been the corporate gathering. I wouldn't have made it as a teenager if it wouldn't have been for that little Glendale Church of God, that that little youth group was only a handful of us. But man, I got solid. I got strong. I began to walk with Jesus in that church, that little church of God there on, on Lamar Road and Glendale Avenue no bigger than this part of this building, but some of the greatest moments of my life were in those corporate gatherings that sealed my faith. You need this house. Quit just coming about every third week. I can make it without the house. No, you can't. The Bible says you can't. One another. Just one another. The power of one another. Paul, in Acts, it says, Paul sent Timothy... He sent Timothy to strengthen their faith. Timothy, I need you to go down to this city. I just want you to build them up. Just want you to build up their faith, strengthen their faith. They're going through a lot of stuff. And there's something about just one another. I'm so grateful over the years of my life that God has allowed people to come into my life that have strengthened my faith. They've told me, you can do it. You're gonna, it's going to happen. 
Oh, I don't see. Stop it, Zane. It's going to happen. God promised you. God's not a man that he should lie. And I, I'm just grateful for those men and women in my life that challenged me and encouraged me. Come on. Do you have some of those people? You got to have those people that, 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 that just build you up and, 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 and keep you uh, empowered. Their faith stirs up my faith. Our, our, our grandson, Jacob, who's now 18, just turned 18 was born uh, six minutes without oxygen. Had a problem, long story, had a problem in the womb. What's it called? Uh, she had a placenta ablation. You know what I'm talking about? And, and she called, called us. We were at the restaurant. And we were wondering why we didn't see Danae at church that, that morning. She was probably six, not six weeks, a couple Two weeks away from delivery, mom called her, said, said, Danae, what's going on? Oh, mom, I'm just not feeling good. Something's not feeling right. I haven't felt the baby. I think I'm going to go into the hospital and just meet my doctor. I've called her. She's going to meet me there. Can you come get Riley, which is her oldest child? And Jan says, yeah. And I'll send dad to, dad to the hospital. Walked into the hospital room there. And I looked at Danae and Danae everything will be okay. And all of a sudden, Dr. Fuel uh, came in and she began to do, and all of a sudden I heard yell out, code something. I forget the code, code whatever. And I guess that's an emergency call to get all kinds of help. I need help now. I need help now. She even yelled it over the loudspeaker. I need help in room such and such. And, and, and she said, we've got to go do a, a cesarean emergency right now. The, the baby's been without oxygen. And when Dr. Fuel came out and looked at us, looked at me, she said, I've done all I can. I, I just don't, I don't know if he will live. And I, Chris, her husband, Danae's husband was there, and we just, I, I lost it. I just lost it. And all of a sudden, Jan finally shows up to the hospital after taking Riley, and Jan walks in. What's going on? She saw our face. She saw our heart, and she was, what's going on? It's just, it's hopeless. She says, no, no, it's not hopeless. No, 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 no. And I tell you, something about her faith began to rise up, and she began to pray in the spirit. No, no. We're in a hospital room, but right now she could give a care. Who's going to hear this? Come on. Come on. She wasn't crazy. She wasn't throwing things around. No, no. She began to prophesy. She began to declare. She began to speak scriptures and pray in the spirit. And I tell you, all of a sudden, I'm looking at her, and I, I got fired up. Come on, Chris. Let's go. I'm telling you, sometimes you need somebody to come in and say, no, 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 no. No, we're going to believe God. We're not going to let go. Come on, somebody say amen. I don't need you to come in and say, ah, it's hopeless. Okay, let's, let's just hold. No, no, hold on. Let's press through. Don't stop believing. Don't stop believing. And by, by the way, I, 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 I got to hurry. You're not disqualified when doubt and fear come. I, I just, somebody needs to hear that. You've not disqualified the promise. You've not negated the prophecy. You've not, God doesn't say, okay, that's it. You don't believe, I'll give it to somebody else. No, 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 no. He's not Godfather. He's Father God. He's not going to kill you because you have a stumble. He understands. He, he recognizes that. You're not disqualified. We've all experienced those times. Just don't let them take up residence. When they come, give them the, the eviction notice. I'm so grateful for the gospel. I'm so grateful for a passage in, in Mark chapter 9 
where a father is, is, is laboring over a, 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 a demonized son. And he comes to Jesus. He said, your disciples, your disciples couldn't set him free. Mark chapter 9, verse 24. And Jesus said, all things are possible if you only believe. I love this. Thank you, Father, that you let that be written in the gospel narrative. And the Father looks at the Savior, looks at Jesus, who said, all things are possible. He says, Lord, I do believe. Help my unbelief. I believe, but I have moments. I believe, but I'm fearful. I believe I'm just worried. Come on, anybody understand what I'm talking? I need a friend. Yeah, I've been there, done that. I understand that. I'm so grateful that, 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 that those times come. The point of my message, and just come to the keys and, and worship team, come get ready. The point of my message is make no mistake, the, the enemy wants to discourage, discourage us as it relates to our faith, as it relates to believing, because he knows the power of faith and the power of believing. He's after your faith. He can't have your heart because you're all in. I mean, who's going to go back to the way we used to live? Been there, done that, and it was a mess. He, he, I mean, I'm not going to be stupid enough to backslide. So he knows, he knows he's not going to get Zane to walk away from Jesus. But if he can get Zane to quit believing. Not believing as it relates to heaven and hell. Believing as it relates to promise and prophecy. The thing that God promised us, Jan. And the fact is, there are times we can get weary waiting for what God has promised. Like David's Psalm 13, one of his most pensive psalms. How long, O Lord, do I have to wait? How long before you come through? You said it, now when are you going to do it? I love the fact that the Lord allows us to see the humanness of, of the, probably the greatest king of Israel. How long? How much longer? I have an awareness, Pastor Les, that there's just some here this morning and that's where you are. You believe, but you're weary. I want you to hear again a word out of Hebrews 10. Don't stop believing. There's some of you I just want to walk up to you and say, don't stop believing. Don't stop believing. Don't stop believing. You're here and God... God said, I want you to deliver a message to these people. Don't stop believing. He was a mountain climber. His name was Chuck. I'm going to wrap this up. His name was Chuck. He was a part of a ministry with, uh, some of you may not even remember the name Tim Hansel. Anybody remember that name? He had an outreach ministry to, uh, to uh, the high Sierras, and he would take groups of people and take them repelling and challenge them with stuff and then bring the gospel into it. In fact, Focus on the Family would take all of their key executives once a year with Tim up to Yosemite, and their, their camp was right next to our church. We pastored in that area. And so all of the, all of the, the guides and stuff would come to our church on Sunday, and I developed a relationship with Chuck. He was probably the mountain climber. He, he, he would climb El Capitan, and I don't know if you've ever seen El Capitan, but it's ridiculous. Straight up granite. And he said, I said, Chuck, how long would it take you to get up there? He said, well, usually for guys like me and my stage of development, it may take me two or three days. Well, what do you do? I mean, you don't go 24-7. No, I can't. So he says, you kind of hopefully tie off and you just sleep a little bit, 
not real deep sleep. <laughs> How many feel me? He says, and then we keep climbing. I said, really, man, it's fascinating to me. And I, I remember one time he was, him and I were having lunch and we developed a relationship and he'd asked me to, to disciple him in another level of faith. And I asked him, I said, Chuck, tell me, what's the most important piece of equipment? And I'm thinking ropes and hooks and shoes. And he smiled across the table. He smiled at me. He says, the most important piece of equipment? Yeah, a good grip. What? Yeah. Yeah, you're thinking I'm going to say ropes and hooks and all that. You can have all that stuff, but if your grip isn't strong, I'm feeling the preach come in me now. I'm across the table thinking, I think I'm getting a message right now. A good grip, huh? He says, yeah, I said, Pastor, let me tell you a story. And it was an interesting. He says, one time I was about, I was about halfway up. And in Yosemite Valley, it was often that sudden storms would come through, if you know that area. And out of nowhere, it wouldn't, they wouldn't think there's going to be a storm. And like here, the thunderclouds would build up and a storm would come through. And I said, he said, one, one of these particular days, I was about halfway. And all of a sudden, I recognized a storm was coming in and it was blowing strong. And he said, I'm holding on to my ropes and I'm holding on to the hooks and it's blowing me all over and I'm and he said pastor there came a moment when I felt my hands begin to lose lose strength and I had nowhere to go but down he said I really thought I was going to fall so what'd you do he said pastor I just begin to pray he said you'll laugh but I begin to speak scriptures God had put in my heart I'm blowing all over he said crazy I begin to worship he said, Pastor, you're going to think I'm crazy, which I don't because I know I'm crazy. He said, you're going to think I'm crazy. He said, he said but literally, he said, I, I, there was one moment I literally felt. Put your hands like this, Chris. He, uh, he, said, he said, there was one moment, hold on that rope, and I felt like I was losing my grip. I was going to fall. It's almost as though I could feel a couple hands just tighten my grip. He said, Pastor, I know, it was, I know it was God. I know it sounds crazy to you, but I knew God just somehow tightened my grip. I said, no, no, I know what you're talking about. Because listen to this. You're going to like this. Psalms 37, 24. For if he stumbles in his believing, he won't fall because God has a good grip on his hands. For if he stumbles in his believing, he won't fall because God has a good grip on his hands. By the way, he, he survived that storm. He was sitting across from me. But I learned a lesson. Don't stop believing. And when you think you don't have enough more grip, Father God says, I got you. I got you. So Zane, Zane don't stop believing. Keep, keep trusting. You're closer than you think. It's almost about to happen. Don't let go now. Come on. I'm, I'm talking to you. I don't know what you're believing for. A breakthrough a healing, a prodigal, a circumstance. Win God, win God. I, I wish I could tell you three more days. I wish I had that, that liberty to tell you. By the way, day after tomorrow, it's gonna come. Uh, on, on Tuesday, I wish I could tell you gonna be in there, August, whatever, I don't, I don't know. All I know is don't you give up now. You're closer than you think. You're almost to your breakthrough. That prodigal is about to come home. Don't stop praying. Don't stop believing. Don't stop holding on now because you are closer than you think. Closer than you think.
Walking around these walls, I thought by now they'd fall. But you've never failed me yet. Waiting for change to come, knowing the battle's won, for you have never failed me yet. Your promise still stands, great is your faithfulness. I'm still in your hands, this is my confidence. You have never failed me yet. I've seen you move mountains. I know you'll move. I believe I'll see it again. You made a way where there was no way. I believe you'll do it again. Come on, just listen. Just listen. In fact, I want you to I want you to, I want you to respond to this. I need to wrap up, but if you'd say, Pastor Zane, I needed this message. I'm struggling with believing. I'm struggling with believing. I want you to stand. Something you're believing for. Just stand right now. I, 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 want, I want to pray for you. I'm struggling with believing. You're not weak. You're not a wimp. God's not angry with you. But there's something, something, something. Just stand for a moment. Just stand for a moment. Stay there. Now, I want you to listen. I want you to listen. I want to give you some word. I want to give you some word. That's your key. Numbers 23, 19. For I am not a man that I should lie. Have I not spoken it and will I not do it? Jeremiah 1 verse 12 I am watching over my word I'm watching over my promise to perform it 1 Kings chapter 8 56 you need this get a handle on this not one word of my promise will fail Isaiah 55 11 for the Lord for the word or the promise that goes forth from my mouth says the Lord will not return to me empty without accomplishing what I desire and without succeeding in the matter for which I sent it Hebrews 6 18 take hold of the promise with both hands and don't let go Helen have a mic for Jan I want a mic for Jan you got a mic Lift your hands, lift your hands. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father, that today you're speaking to every daughter and every son in the house. And Lord, you're speaking to the faith that you have placed within them, the measure, but God, some of them, their grip has slipped. God, some of them, identify with that dad that says god i don't know it's gonna happen. i'm doubting it's gonna happen. god i'm not Come sure on. if you Come can on. do what you said to me you would do and lord some are standing today their hands are lifted and lord they're struggling with feeling like they're disqualified because god they haven't been believing but today you're speaking to your daughter don't stop my daughter don't stop my daughter trust me you're speaking to your son this day son what i promise to you i will do son i am greater than that circumstance i am the one that will deliver you says God, I am the one that will break that bondage that you say you will never be free of. So Lord, this day, they stand and Lord, they say, they take a fresh grip on you, your word, your prophetic word. They take a fresh grip upon the word of God. You stirring the word of God that you are 
accomplish it this day. So Lord, your daughters, your sons are believing you again and they're feeling your hand upon their hand as they grip again that which you have spoken, that which you have said, that which you have promised. And Lord, the walls will come down. Lord, the walls will come down. The reconciliation will happen. The restoration will come about. That child will return. Those finances will break. 